All right, welcome back to another episode of This Old Pyramid. Uh, and uh, tonight we have <laughs> <laughs> your regular two hosts here, uh, Mike and myself. And uh, Mike, I'm, I'm sorry you didn't get to join me in Austin this past weekend, but obviously we've got a lot to digest and, and talk about here. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, uh, there, was a, there was a little tournament this weekend. Yeah, just a little bit. Yep. Uh, so first of all, uh, we'll start out with the fact that, uh, it was a great event. Um, the, the venue was phenomenal, um, for people that were, um, at the actual, um, hotel venue, I guess, um, it was a pretty fancy, uh, hotel in downtown Austin, uh, called the Fairmont. So it was, uh, it was a good time there. Um, there was a lot to do outside the hotel. There was a lot to do at the hotel. Uh, the event itself was in this awesome hall and you were pretty much like looking right at downtown Austin out the windows. Um, the folks from GW had pretty much what you would expect. There was an awesome setup there where you could, you know, they had games workshop. They have like this little store where you had all the games workshop stuff, um, lots of stuff you can't just like go and get online now because of all the supply chain and shipping issues that are going on. Uh, but then they had this like whole stock room in the back full of Forge World stuff. They had Titans for sale. I mean, they, they had like everything you could imagine there. Um, and the, the, the event was just run really, really, really well. Um, yeah, I the, mean, this is the third tournament in the yeah. their GT circuit. I, I expect they'd know their business by now. Yeah, and the <clears throat> a lot of it was just the smoothness of it. You could tell that um, that they had this was their third event. Um, kind of more of the announcement cadence, um, how you know, just how clear the instructions were, um, how everything was set up. Your mission packs. You got these awesome mission cards uh, for for each of the tables, which which just really simplified everything. Um, it, it was just. I mean, hands down, it was just a very, very well-run event. Um, and, you know, in terms of logistics, there were no issues at all. Um, Game-wise, I'm not quite sure where to start here. Um, well, overall, how'd you do? <laughs> uh, two and four, so not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that the I, I had a whirlwind of problems, uh, I would say most of which were self-induced. Uh, mm-hmm. I made plenty of blunders on my secondary choices that uh, I think some folks uh, probably caught on to early, uh, like uh, me taking burn empires on the first round, thinking I could burn the two objectives in my own deployment zone, and I couldn't. Uh, stuff like that, essentially. And then on couple that with the fact that I was playing not hard. I wouldn't say my matchups were super hard. There was one super hard matchup I had. The rest were, I, I, I had a chance to win the game if I made the right choices and I didn't. Um, so I faced Custodes game one uh, and the Custodes player had mostly foot Custodes with some Sisters of Silence. Um, the game actually went very, uh, like from a primary and a... Um, from a board control perspective, I actually think I won that that side of the 
um, the game. But where I really lost it was on uh, some of the primaries, uh, especially Burn Empires, where I only scored like four points for the whole game. Um, that really put me in a, in a deep hole to kind of claw out of there. So it would have probably been a close win, uh, gone to a pretty sound loss at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, the second game was against uh, one of the lists that was on the stream. Uh, it's basically a sister's list that is all war suits. Uh, it's like all mortifiers and all sorts of those things. And we're going to, we're going to get, after I get through kind of, the matches that I went through and just kind of talk about some of the perspective here. We'll get to some of the like things that I've seen as struggles for thousand sons, but sure. this, this definitely is something that we're, we're going to come back to this match. So I won't get into it too much. Um, essentially it's just all suits. Uh, they come across the board, they shoot you and there's not much we can do about it. Okay. So lost that game. So I was 0 and 2. Uh, my third game was um, probably an, uh, I, I would say it's an easier match. It was against a guy who it was his first tournament. Uh, he was running ultramarines and, um, you know, pretty soundly went in my direction at that point. So that was, that was kind of a, you know, we had a good game, um, had some fun with it and, uh, you know, moved on. Um, day two, uh, was probably kind of a rinse and repeat where the first game I'm now playing sisters of battle again. Uh, this is probably more of your traditional list. They have Repentia, they have, um, all the, you know, the normal scary stuff that you would expect to see. Uh, the thing that worked out really good for me was that it was hammer and anvil and with duplicity, what I was able to do early on with mutate was teleport to one of the objectives that he had no way to actually get to and charge me. So I could get there, mutate. And if I had to, I could teleport back. If I lived, I, I pretty much was mm-hmm. like, well, it's worth sacrificing a rubric squad to teleport them over there and have them do mutate on that objective. Um, and that pretty much is, I think one of the big things, cause that got me 12 points on, on mutate through the game. Then I had 15 from two to the last. And um, I forget what the other, um, secondary was that I took, but I denied him on his, uh, he took the shrine. Uh, sisters have a special secondary. I think it's called the shrine where it's like, as, as long as I control it, I'm denying them points. Uh, and for whatever reason, uh, well, I get, I'm the one who gets to choose the, um, the objective and it just can't be the one that's in my zone. It's table quarters. And there was sure. one on the, Sorry, it wasn't hammer and anvil. It was table quarters. And either way, I was able to deploy very far away from him. And I took the one that was just, if you think hammer and anvil, it's the quarter right next to me there on my side of the board. And I was able to take that one and just say, okay, you have to come all the way across the board to get to this thing the way he was uh, deployed. So um, I ended up winning that game pretty smoothly. And then I hit uh, another custodies list. And this one was uh, pretty much a lot of, of bikes. Uh, and looking over th- some of the Thousand Suns match, uh, other matches that Thousand Suns players had, they also played this same guy. Um, and he was a very good player and had, you know, plenty of bikes and other stuff that could get your get in your face pretty quickly. And it did. Uh, and that pretty much kind of sealed the, the primary game against us. Um, and then the last game that I had was against Death Guard. And just, I mean, frankly, I lost the, the primary battle there real bad. Um, and that's what Death Guard does. So all in all, uh, two and four, but uh, plenty of lessons learned. I will say that what I probably came away with was that I played 
I mean, obviously, A, I made some poor choices on my secondaries, and I got to work on that. But B, uh, I played way too passively in a lot of the games. I was I was going back to a lot of them and realizing that there were plenty of them where I was just kind of hiding my rhinos, um, where the rhinos really should have been like pushing forward early, getting getting my stuff to the point where I could actually win the primary battle. Uh, and I think this is a, a sign of the fact that I'm not playing aggressive enough is the fact that on missions like the hold two, hold three, and hold more uh, primary scores, uh, I do very bad on those maps. And I think that would probably be indicative of that. So Yeah. I mean, I would say that the hardest part about playing the new Thousand Suns is walking that fine line between playing aggressively enough to at least be able to contest the primaries, but not so aggressive that you wind up leaving yourself vulnerable to your opponent's counterplay. Um, yeah. And I, I think that it's very much uh, what you're looking at there. Yep. Uh, over, I mean, overall on the list, the Terminators hands down were the best unit. Um, they, yeah. I mean, when they, when they went to work, they went to work and, you know, my opponents every single time were just like, geez, those guys, you know, the, the folks that hadn't seen them actually start shooting and doing what they do were feeling the pain of it. Um, yeah. And I mean, especially given what you face, it doesn't sound like you ran into anything that really was well equipped to deal with a block of 10 terminators. No, and in most games, they didn't die. I think the Death Guard yeah. game, they died because it, he had enough drones mm -hmm. to come after them, uh, and he had Plague Burst Crawlers, which could sit back and, and pick them off over the course of the, the game. Sure. Um, and then at the end, I had to kind of... I, I could have kept them alive, but I, had, I, I was trying to make a play. We both took to the last, mm -hmm. and his... Um, I think his blight haulers, his two blight haulers, and his plate burst crawlers were his to the last targets. And I had killed the the blight haulers with the terminators, and then the two plate burst crawlers were kind of sitting on his uh, in the back. Uh, and I was kind of looking at it like, well, his backfield's now open, and a lot of his stuff had moved up to the middle of the board. Yeah. So I kind of looked at it like, well, I can take my to the last unit and go after his to the last unit. And if I can take it out, then, you know, that that's actually, you know, in my opinion, I'm actually winning there a little bit because I still had two of my others that were well in play, my, my demon prince and my sorcerer. Yeah. Um, so so I was kind of... Hail Mary play. Yeah. It, I was so far behind on primaries that it was kind of like, look, I have to do something because I'm I'm going to lose just doing what I'm doing. And in hindsight, maybe I could have played like my rhinos and other stuff a little bit more aggressive and just gone and held the objectives a bit and tried to fight for them a little bit more. Like another yeah. thing I noticed was my mutilith never even charged in and tried to, well, I think it failed its charge actually, which was like six inches and it, and mm -hmm. it just flubbed its charge. Um, but I mean, it, a lot of stuff like that just didn't actually do anything. Like my chaos spawn just kind of sat back and didn't counter charge like they should have. And, you know, I found that like towards the end of the game, my rubric Marines were all the way back in my, you know, kind of hiding in the terrain when they should have been making their move up the field, like two or three turns earlier uh, to try yeah. and like press, press the field control and start to try and 
you know, kill Marines or kill the, you know, the pox walkers, all sorts of stuff like that. So. Yeah, I mean, based on what you're describing, I think that um, you've definitely sort of have come, become accustomed to playing your units in a certain way. Um, and so whenever you came to uh, effectively a, a static army, like Death Guard, yeah. uh, you weren't... <laughs> um, you kept waiting for them to come to you, and that's just not what they're really. No, they're do. just going to go to where they barely need to go, and it's like, yeah. all right, we're going to just score primary on you know, all game long. And it's kind of like, yeah, I guess you are. <laughs> the way I'm playing, yeah, I guess you are. So, yep. You so, know. Uh, it's something to th- think about for the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, my immediate, for, for my own kind of, you know, self analyzation here, I, I mean, my my next step, I'm not really shaking up my list very much. I think what I'm going to do is be playing a few matches uh, this weekend um, at some point uh, and and just getting some practice in and and trying to kind of see how I can play the list more aggressively. Uh Um, I will say that I was probably the only one running out of all the thousand suns players. I was the only one running a mutilith and I was the only one running three rhinos. Um, I was also running probably the fewest terminators uh, except I think there was one list that had five because he had Magnus. So I didn't think he had Magnus and 10 Terminators. Yeah, that would be very unusual. Yeah. Um, it was uh, also tough to go back and look at all the lists because the the uh, not all of them were submitted with the text copy of the list. Some people just uploaded a screenshot and it was mm-hmm. just like the first page of their list. Uh, other folks only got like the first chunk of the list in there. Hmm. Um, so there were a few lists I had to kind of like figure, okay, that's what they were running something along that lines. But, um, the interesting thing is, you know, we can transition a little bit about talking about how the other thousand sons listed, they, all of us at the end of day one, uh, except for one person, uh, all of us were one and two at the end of day one. So we Hmm. all had a rough go on day one. Yeah. Um, and we all had different concepts. One guy had 20 terminators. Another guy had 15. I had 10. Um, there was the one that had Magnus and five terminators. Uh, so all of us had, you know, from, from just a list concept, I mean, one guy had two hell drakes. Uh, we all had different concepts. Uh, there was, there was another list that had, t- uh, big squads of rubric Marines versus small five man squads. And, yeah. I, I just can't remember uh, a time where I, you know, we're all just sitting there uh, like six of us and nothing's working. Like none of all of us brought these different, different ideas. We're all playing thousand sons. We're all using good stuff in the codex. None of it's working. And it, it dawned on me that night when I, when I was chatting with uh, a couple other players uh why it was such a tough fight for us. And it's because um, on one hand you have gray knights that have become this, I wouldn't say a boogeyman list, but it's kind of like a list that you have to be able to take, take out. I mean, they were in the fight or in the top echelon of everything that was um, competing. And (laughs) with that being the case, I noticed that every single opponent that I faced even the Death Guard opponent was able to take a poor the witch against me. 
And that hurts. That, that it really hurts because you're, you're giving away at a minimum, I mean, three squads of six points and then maybe a character for four. So you're talking what, not 10 points right there or nine points. If you're giving, you know, you give away a Terminator squad or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, um, that's, that's a lot of points you're giving up just from, you know, stuff you have to put out there uh, to, to hold objectives dying uh, for no, for no other part than the fact that that's my army and that's what has to be there. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say that Thousand Sons sort of falls into the trap of we're close enough to one of the meta-defining armies that we suffer from things that are good at taking out those armies. Because, like, so for instance, Grey Knights, you're looking at an army of psychers that everything that people are taking has an invult save. Mm-hmm. Unless they're taking strike squad spams. And, and even then, you're, all the characters have invulnerable saves, all the Dread Knights have invulnerable saves. Uh, and so it's very easy in a design space where anything that's going to take out a Grey Knights list is just coincidentally going to be optimized to yep. take on a Thousand Suns list. So you had a lot of people taking kind of like what I saw in the, my round one where it was a custodians list and he had two Sisters of Silence in there. Yeah. Um, and what it gave him was the ability that you were, you know, minus two to your casts when you were within 18. And then on top of that, you were um, facing all of these three up in Vaughn uh, T5 bodies that were coming at you, which was, which was a big problem. So to get to the sisters, you had to go through those things. And then you had uh, stratagems that they could do. So they had one four up deny. The sisters, I think, had a three up deny strat. Uh, and then I think he had another, uh, like he could take a regular 2d6 deny uh, as well. So they had they had multiple ways to go through the game and actually, um, based on what he had in his list, uh, actually deny psychic powers. And they didn't have to really wait or, or you know, just kind of sit there and, um, you know, counter everything. They're really just looking for the important stuff like, all right, tell me when you're going to teleport and tell me when you're trying to cast a psychic action. And every single game... I had to basically dump eight points of my uh, cabal rituals to counter the the psychic action from getting um, denied. So, you know that's uh, that that's a that's a hard matchup to face in every game if everybody's got that. Uh, I wouldn't say tailored, but more just optimized to not have to worry about it. And I actually asked my last opponent. Uh, the Death Guard player about it. And he said, well, I didn't really have to tailor or, or take my Psyker out. It was just kind of like my list works without it. And it was kind of like, yeah, it's a cool bonus at the fact that, yeah, I can take aboard the Witch now against you. And, uh, uh, you know, that that definitely is playing into, I'm sure, other people's army, des- army designs where they have like one Psyker. And especially armies where, hey, if you take one Psyker, uh, you're actually against us worse off than if you took no psychers because now we get to basically take uh, what is it, uh, Wrath of Magnus or, Wrath or of Magnus. yeah, and so you're you know, it, it, it's kind of like you either take an all psychic army or you don't take any psychers at all. And yeah, I kind of blame the mission structures so. I, I don't know what else to blame there. I mean, that's just the mission design is 
getting people to build their list that way. Yeah, I, I think Abhor the Witch, it's a really fluffy secondary. And I like it because, but it's very difficult to balance. Um, frankly, I'm of the opinion that they really need to change it so that it only scores off of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it can incidentally score off of all of our infantry mm-hmm. and all the Great Knights infantry um, just unbalances. And it does incentivize armies to not take psychers. I mean, hell, as so the existence of Wrath of Magnus actually disincentivizes other armies from taking psychers as well, though. Uh, the fact that, so like an elder army usually takes two to three psychers. Right. Well, those psychers aren't going to deal any damage with Bimortal Wounds. That's just not what they do. So that's free victory points for a Thousand Suns player into Eldar. Uh, and then this is we they, we've been grappling with this this stupid abhor the witch for a while. They they they've adjusted it. They made it a little a little better, but I, I just I think that making it like character only or mm-hmm. does not work on core infantry psychers or something needs to be put in place because at the moment it's too meta defining well in a, in a few weeks we're going to find out what the new missions look like uh, yeah. because the uh the championship event which is the um the one where they invite everybody to for from each of the uh the gw events that they held um one of the things that uh, they announced in there was the fact that they're going to have event have an event where they're playing with the new missions um, and they also oh. have i think it's something like Pre uh, some amount of pre-constructed armies that they're going to be playing with as well. So you're going to get it's all going to be live stream. So you're going to have to see all the new missions in action, uh, new balance changes, new chapter, pretty much everything from the new chapter approved, basically in action before it hits the uh, hits the ground. And I would I would think that that's probably coming in December if that's when they're going to be debuting it. Uh-huh. Um, and we probably will. I think it's if it's coming in two weeks is when they're actually playing. I mean, we could hear something within the next week or so. Um, we're recording here the week right after Austin. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would imagine, or the week of Thanksgiving, basically. Uh, but I would imagine that we could, I mean, within the next week or so, end of end of November, early December, we could get an announcement that, hey, chapter approved is coming out and it's dropping in two weeks. Or maybe it's chapter approved. It's the This is the digital version and it's just a complete, revamp of stuff i would imagine that that big of a revamp will not be a digital thing it'll actually be a book supplement kind of thing but yeah there then again they've got all sorts of you know shipping nightmares and logistic mm-hmm. nightmares right now so i could see them just saying hey let's just put this out we've got lvo coming up um let's just put this out and get it in people's hands so yeah i mean traditionally just, they they put out a new chapter approved book once a year Mm -hmm. um so i'd expect it to be sometime in the next month or two right so december or january right um were the new um 
Mechanicum, Jakari, and who else was suggested? Uh, it was Admech and Jukari. So let's yeah. talk about that for a second. So Admech and Jukari. Yes, all of this was in effect. Uh, specifically, be, they released those changes to be in effect for this event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the big things that we had going into it was that Admech had all sorts of things like their flyers. Their they have really point efficient units. Um, ironically, if you look at just the sampling of Austin. Admech is dead. Now, I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's as bad as the stats lend it to be, uh, mostly because if you look at the top tier uh, players, not a lot of them were actually running the army, and I think they probably could and would have done okay with them, maybe not one. I think the, the reality was the changes to Dark Eldar were not as strong as the ones to Admech. So the players that were playing Admech jumped to Dark Eldar and they all hopped on the Coven bandwagon now. And, you know, it, it is, I, I don't know very many people that look at that book and say that it's not comical how good that book is. It's, it's just full of just lots of things they got wrong from a balance standpoint, but the cost for what certain things do, um, the cost for movement, the cost for transports, the cost for, two up in volms and you know uh, the the list goes on and on and on of all the things they get in their book and you know like hey we can advance and charge and the the power from pain bonuses they get they like all of those things that they get just aren't baked into the costs for the models because you're looking at the models themselves and realizing well you know okay these guys only have a four up save and you know they in and of themselves, they aren't they aren't that good. But then you add all the rules and everything to them that they get, and it just becomes too difficult of a hill for a lot of other armies to to win. And I actually I, I put it this way: so Thousand Suns right now, as a codex, is a good codex. It's got lots of tools in it, but it rewards the player who knows how to use the tool tools correctly on the battlefield. Dark Eldar is the kind of army that has lots of tools that are there, but the cost of the units can make up for your bad play. Yeah, and it you, is very startling how just offensive, uh, uh, how efficient the the units in that book are. And I don't I mean, mean that the number as, of ways that they can be played. Yeah, and I I don't mean that as a slight to people who play Dark Elder. I mean I I tip my hat to the people who are playing them and winning tournaments. I mean. You do you. That's, I mean, that's what you got to do to win. That's what you got to do. I mean, everybody's, everybody's trying to figure out the strongest formula to go and win and outplay everybody. Um, you know, and that, that's what it's like. But at the same time, there's a lot of average Joes that are just trying to play pickup games and, Hey, I'm not going to play you if you're playing Dark Elder because I can't win. Right. Like if we're just trying to do a friendly game and you've got, you know, you're really into your covens or cabals or witches, it's like, they're all good and they're all like oppressively good for what they cost that you're just playing two different games. If you're, if you're running like your, I don't know, your, your salamanders or your blood angels or something like that. It's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I could play my best game and still lose. So yeah, I, I don't know how else to put it other than, you know, I think, I think there's more probably in the works and coming that's that's going to address Dark Elder, um, but 
I don't know what it is, and I don't know when it's coming. So, yeah. Uh, the other armies, though, um, that that have become a problem. Um, Tyranids were very, very strong. Uh, Hive Guard and it, in general, ignore line of sight shooting has become a thing that is uh, with with the terrain rules that we have. It's be, the armies that have it as a grandfathered in type shoot of shooting uh, are doing very well with it. Uh, like guard, uh, Tyranids with hive guard. I think hive guard are probably some of the best shooting units in the game at the moment. Um, you know, like they shoot twice. They, I forget what it is. They, they ignore line of sight. They, they have very good profiles. They hit good. Um, it, yeah. They, they just, they pretty much just do it all. And it's the, it's, <laughs> It's the kind of thing where, you know, if, if the supplement that they gave for them is just to kind of hold them over for a little bit, great. But if it's like, hey, for the next year, we've got to deal with that, man, that's, these things are going to be tough. They, are, they have the exact, they have almost the perfect profile to just absolutely shred Scarabacult Terminators. Um, and, and they ignore line of sight on top of that. So you got to get through all the other stuff to get to those things in the backfield. Uh, and that can become a problem. So, um, Necrons, I think are still getting, they're, they're still getting sorted out. They kind of got this nice bonus of a whole bunch of stuff getting core that didn't have core. I, I honestly yeah. don't know Necrons well enough to really speak for them, but I know that I don't, I did not expect them to have anything that really stood out as really good just because I think it was, it was what a week or two weeks before the event that they dropped that balance change in for Austin and in two weeks to pivot your whole army would be very tough. I think probably uh, the frontline gaming event in new Orleans will probably be the first event where I would say, all right, if there's, if there's a good Necron player there, let's see what they do, like what they bring. And if it's, um, you know, if that's kind of a sign of, Hey, they have a chance now and, and they can actually compete with some stuff. So. Other than that, I, I don't think there was anything else that really stood out. I know Guard got some – they made Lehman Russ's two-up saves. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, they, I, I saw some folks running them, and they didn't – I don't think they did all that great. Oh, Knights. I'm forgetting Knights. Knights is going to be a problem. <laughs> so, Knights, Knights is a big problem. To, to just yeah. give OBSEC the way they did to all these baby Knights um, – it is a very big problem uh, with how oh, good they're going to be. Now, here's the here's the thing. Um, I actually was talking with Matt Ali, at, and he was running the Knights at uh, at Austin, and he made a very very good point about the fact that the GW terrain, the ruins had enclosed first floors um, on the big blocks of ruins that were on the table, so you couldn't see through to the stuff that was on the other side of the wall, which meant you could actually hide on there and something can't just basically come and tow in onto the terrain and then shoot your stuff inside. Um, or even just shoot your stuff inside because, Hey, you know, I can see through the walls, the frontline gaming event in new Orleans, from what I understand is not the same. So you can basically just walk right up. Uh, stuff is hiding behind a uh, hide a ruin that's obscuring. Uh, okay, well, I, I put my toe onto the to ruin, the ruin and I can see through it and now I can shoot all your stuff behind it. And that's a big difference. Uh, and, and it would definitely, you know, enable stuff to just kind of open up. But 
from the sounds of it, the knights are able to like just table almost, you know, anything they want just straight out within the first couple turns, just because it's so much firepower. Uh, you know, I think it's like lightning locks or whatever, whatever the other shooting is that they take on those things. And then mm-hmm. you're obsec on the, on the, you know, on the table and they forget about the fact that, you know, you've, you can run something forward and it's like, great, I'm going to make a blow up on a four up, you know, like there's, yeah. they, they still have a pretty decent bag of tricks. Yeah. It's actually, so I played versus the new Knights recently and I was playing the mechanized list. So I had more vehicles than he did. And the fact, so I, I didn't get table. In fact, I, I held my own pretty nicely. But the fact that he was objective secured and counted as 10 models mm-hmm. per big night meant that I just couldn't hold primary objectives. It's just like, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> I guess you win primaries. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. That seems very ham fisted to me, uh, if I'm being completely frank it's a little um, strong yeah it's a little because the, the, the big difference is that so the all right so lehman russets have been objective secured since as long as the guard have had their eighth edition codex i have never seen anyone claim an objective with lehman russ because if you drive your lehman russ up onto an objective it's just gonna die Yep. I don't care if it has a two-up save. It has no way to fight back in close combat. It's going to have a bad time. Whereas the baby knights, there are variants that have close com- good close combat weapons. They are maneuverable. They, they, they move mm-hmm. way faster than the rust does. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have support for that type of like mm-hmm. knife fighting that usually occurs on primary uh, primary objectives. Uh, so even if there are only five models, I I would say good luck keeping more than uh, six core like objective screen right. models on an objective with one of those on it. Yeah, that's a, that's that's kind of I've, I've seen someone kind of suggest that what they should have done is base it on the number of remaining wounds they have. So if it's like, you know, like when you're bracketed, it has kind of like a, a stat as they bracket where it count, maybe to start, it counts as five wounds. Then maybe it drops to three and then it drops to like, you know, one model, you know, if it's down on wounds or something like that as a way to just kind of like even it out a bit. But I don't know. I, uh, I would agree with you that it is a little bit um, heavy-handed the way they they shut that out there, and I think uh, it's definitely made them relevant again. Uh, and with that, makes me worry a little bit about the meta because if knights become relevant as like an easy thing to play, well, then the game kind of shifts with a lot of anti-tank weaponry. And you know, if it's if it's really heavy anti-tank weaponry, then maybe that works in our favor a little bit where you know we we have pretty tanky tanky dudes and if you're having to shoot anti-tank guns at our dudes we're pretty happy right uh that's like you kill one marine because all you have is one shot kind of thing yeah so the the main thing i see uh, sort of after the balance changes and this event is 
every sort of meta that I've ever seen for tournaments has always sort of revolved around a single point. Effectively, there's always this is the thing to beat. Mm -hmm. These are the sort of sub-considerations. And then everything else beyond that, that's sort of, you might face it, but it's not really important. Because if you're guaranteed to face whatever that defining army Mm -hmm. is. Well, so I, I think before the balance changes, Drakari was that point. Effectively, everyone, Mechanicum, Ray Knights, every army is like, if I can't beat Drakari, why am I? And so, obviously, there were other good armies. Grey Knights were good. Mechanicum was good. Um, but what we're seeing now, so Mechanicum has been knocked off their pedestal. They, their things are more expensive. It's more difficult for them to really spam the numbers that they did previously. So that's good for most of the mid-tier codexes. So then that just leaves Jakari, who received the sort of minor like boop on the nose by the newspaper, but are still just incredibly efficient. And Grey Knights are ascendant because of just they're very good at a lot of different things. And then we sort of replacing Mechanicum, you have Knights. Uh, which I think are going to be even more gatekeepery than they used to be. Because Jakari trades very well into Knights. They have tons of Dark Lances. They have so many tools to just... Yeah, sis- sisters too. Like yeah. lots of Melta sisters. So I think sisters are good, but I don't think they're meta divine. I mean, at the end of the day, what are they? They're a T3 armor with power armor, a T3, a toughness three power armor models with re- standard imperial weaponry. Yeah, they have some neat tricks, like they can advance and shoot their heavy weapons and mm-hmm. repenty or mean. But at the end of the day, if you can kill Grey Knights, you can kill Sisters. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with Um, that. And so, uh, not to rob from sort of Sisters, it's just I don't think that they're as important to the meta as Grey Knights. But you're you're then going to have armies like Space Marines bring in their Eradicators, and Eradicators are just bonkers when it comes to taking vehicles out. I mean, they will will kill what they want, uh, pretty much. Yeah. So... The question then becomes, what general purpose list do you bring that can deal with the top three? So, Because previously, if you brought something that could deal with Mechanicum, sorry, brought something that could deal with Chikari, well, that uh-huh. deals with Mechanicum just fine, so the outlier is Green Knights. Uh, well, don't, well now, don't forget you've got to also deal with Tyranids, too. Yeah, so, so I, I haven't seen enough data on Tyranids to really say whether they'll they're gonna become the next big thing. Uh, I've, I've seen one game that they played and he didn't win. I also get it. I also get it that it's it's kind of like orcs in that they're, they have they're an army with a lot of models and I think that's kind of something where players will look at, like versus knights for example. When knights were really good a couple years ago mm-hmm. um, it was ridiculous the number of people that had knights. Everybody had knights out and they were all yeah. playing with them. 
Um, and what was so easy about it was that it was really easy to get the model, build, get the models you need, build it, paint it and be good to go. Like be, you know, battle ready and, and just show up to the tournament and just play. The other thing that was great, you only had about five models that you were moving at the time. Um, yeah. Now it's probably a little bit more. You're probably on the, what, like 10, 10 to 15 range in terms of baby knights and big knights. Yeah. Um, but, but what it boils down to is you can build up your knight army so easy, paint everything real easy and be done and transport them pretty easy. Whereas with like an orc army or a tyranid army, you've got all those gaunts you got to bring and you got to paint all yeah. those gaunts. And I think there's some people that no matter how good those armies are, they just won't they won't bother um, or yeah. they'll just they'll either do a commission or they'll borrow their friend's army or something like that. Cause I, I know, I don't know about you. I don't want to sit there and paint 90 models before a tournament ever again. Um, I mean, I, I used to do that all the time. It's, it's, there's an art to it. Yeah. Um, and you just have to have the patience to do it, but yeah, you can. Back to the, I know there's a lot of people that won't do yeah. it though, just based on that fact, but yeah. But, so circling back to the point I was trying to make though, so Tyranids and Orcs, yeah, they're, they're good codexes. They're excellent codexes, I would even say. But they are excellent in that they play into Jakari very well. They play into mm-hmm. the Grey Knights even very well. But if you're packing, aiming for pheasants, which is what I'm going to refer to our Jakari lists now. They're, they're, they're birds. They just, <laughs> there's a ton of them. They aren't very tough, but you have to be able to deal with them quickly and efficiently. And then a bear shows up. <laughs> You're going to have a bad time. And yeah. knights are the bear. So then, okay, well, I got mauled by a bear once. Let me go hunt, packing for bear. Well, then you're only going to get a few pheasants and they're going to do whatever pheasants do to people. Um, and so that makes it very difficult from a design standpoint if you're not playing one of those three armies to design an all-comers list. Because knights, all you have to do is bring things that kill Jakari and you'll kill Grey Knights just sort of incidentally. And Jakari, well, they just bring everything because they can do that. And mm-hmm. so they have the tools to deal with whatever they want to deal with. And well, then there's Grey Knights and it turns out that they also just have the ability to deal with a multiplicity of different types of threats simultaneously. So that's just something that they're yep. good at. Yep. Um, so I, I, I think time will tell on what's going to sort of become the, the the silver bullet for these armies individually. Yep. I, I don't know that there's an army other than Shikari that can bring enough different tools to contend with all three simultaneously. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, so for uh, Thousand Sons, um, I would say we need to determine while keeping as much of what makes us good into Jakari and Grey Knights, 
is what tools are available for us to, I don't even necessarily say kill knights, just keep them off our backs long mm-hmm. enough to actually score some points. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being the case, you could see a return of baller beans. They yeah. trade very well into a knight army. Well, they've got ni- those little melta cutters that are on there and they're assault. Yeah. So you can advance your mauler up and, and p- potentially get a shot on them. The nemesis knights love to, to push forward really early and take the board. So, you know, there is that kind of option. Yep. Um, so let's talk about thousand sun stats here real quick. So I did a quick pass on just some quick data about how they did at Austin. And I was looking at the six uh, thousand suns armies um, just as a whole. So um, what was pretty good uh, was just the, the overall win rate. So um, overall we were something around 40 something percent. Um, like I think it was <laughs> upper 40. So we were, we were almost break even. So it was 15, 15 wins, 16 losses is what we had. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, it was pretty good. And then when you look at the amount of points we scored versus the mo- amount of points scored against us, uh, those were almost, you know, even as well. And that, that's pretty much what I expect for an army that is 50-50. They should have a pretty balanced amount of points scored against them and, and four. Where I saw some really significant stuff start to stand out. Um, for the first stat is something a lot of people have tracked for a while, and that's your go-first win rate. Um, the go first win rate was nine and five. The going second win rate was six and 11. So there is, that's not something to kind of ignore. There is something there. Um, what it is, I don't know. Um, but I don't, I I didn't go, I didn't go first at all this weekend. I went hmm. second every single game and, I had games that were winnable in there that I lost and I won two games. Um, I was only what one game away from being break even from two and four. If I had one game go my way that I won uh, or that I lost that, then I would have been break even. And that would have been, you know, three games, one going first, three games, one going second. And that's, that's pretty much, you know, what I would expect. I would have to do some more digging around, you know, was that, more prevalent on certain maps and missions or more prevalent versus certain types of armies? I'm not sure. I mean, if I were to sort of make an observation about Thousand Suns in the current codex, so I expect that the majority of people playing Thousand Suns this weekend were playing an army that included duplicity. Yes. So accurate. Almost, almost all of them were duplicity. There was one, actually, the one that did the best out of all of them was Cult of Time. Sure. So, with going first, as duplicity especially, going first is huge. Um, so, with duplicity, you're always going to risen or pay. It's just, yeah, the it's the best option. For deployment because you probably have the warlord trait that if you're not going first well I'm just going to move that unit back and we're going to play this normally and so if you're going first that means you effectively get a free pre-game teleport of a unit 
to whatever position you wanted them to be in turn one. Mm -hmm. So it almost doubles your effective firepower for that first turn if you go first. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you go second, not only do you have to contend with your enemy's initial alpha strike, but you also don't have as many units in play to be able to start removing threats from the table or contesting objectives, doing secondaries, whatever. Um, and so that figure lines up very neatly with my mm -hmm. experiences with Thousand Sons. Okay. The reason why I think so the Cult of Time guy doesn't care whether he goes first or last is it doesn't matter. He's probably not going to even bother trying to uh, use uh, Risen River K because it's a huge risk for him or them, I suppose. Maybe. Um, but also, they have the tools to just weather an Alpha Strike by returning models and right. just generally not caring. Well, I will say that there's one thing that stood out to me that was really, uh, really telling. Um, in our in my conversations with folks between games, the the thing that kind of stood out from folks that I knew were Thousand Suns players, but they were not playing Thousand Suns. What they would tell me is. Um, you know, for instance, we were talking about the battle suit list that I faced and sure. they were, they were looking at that and just basically saying, yeah, thousand suns just doesn't have much that it can do against really aggressive lists um, or like hyper aggressive lists. And that's a really good example where they just basically are going to charge across the table at you and make you deal with, you know, 20, 25, just relatively tough and, menacing suits that you don't have enough firepower to chew through um and you don't have stuff that can stop it and you also don't have stuff that can take the board back um, yeah i i saw this same problem when joni faced uh brad chester at new orleans where joni went all in on the dreadnoughts and the shooting star essentially um mm -hmm. which i think does really good in most matchups but you're going to face matchups where a good player knows how to how to play against it, and they basically just take the board and hide from you, and so mm -hmm. then you don't have things to shoot, um, and you you have lost all your obsec units on objectives, and then as a result, you have no way to really take the table back because your shooting star is stuck in its base with no way to get out, uh, and. I think that you're going to, that's kind of like where I, where I say like the dreadnought lists, I think that's kind of the ceiling they run into is that against a really good player, you're, you're going to deal with a lot of other stuff much easier, but against those kinds of lists that just take the board, that's going to be a problem. So in any case, hyper aggressive lists are those kinds of lists that are just, they can either take the board very quickly. They move very fast. They're going to come over and charge you, you know, turn one, turn two, that kind of thing. Good example of this custodies you mm -hmm. have a non-hyper aggressive version of custodies which is foot custodes right so they walk across the board they're not in your face or anything they're really tough but let's take bike custodies as a 
alternative version of this where it is hyper aggressive, meaning those bikes are coming for you. You're going to have to deal with them one way or another. Um, that's kind of how I look at the, the two differences. So I crawled through all the um, matchups that the Thousand Suns players had, and I looked at lists that looked like they were hyper-aggressive lists, just like what I'm talking about there. Um, the Battlesuit list is another really good example of it. Um, Nemesis Knights, Dread Knights is another really good example of the hyper-aggressive list. They just overload you with threats. Yeah, Thousand Suns were 0-9 against those types of lists at Austin. Yep. O and nine. Yep. That to me is really, really telling. So to me, the problem for thousand suns to crack right now competitively is how to deal with that. I think if you can deal with that, your odds, your odds of winning go up because you're dealing with like the biggest problem that we have right now. And that's, they take the board. What do you do? Do you have a way to stop those lists and slow them down? Do you have a way to maybe trade something out with them that you shouldn't have? Um, maybe a good example of that is how, let's say you're going second. How do you stop that list from just zooming across the board at you? Um, and maybe one of the, the ways you can do that, I mean, you could sacrifice a 10-man rubric squad. It's 200 points. It's going to suck. But is it more likely if they zoom across the board that they're going to kill 200 points worth of models within the, or 400 points of models in the second turn because they're on you, they're into close combat, you're going to lose them one way or another. So if you risen them in and basically just move block them, you know, the list that you have a chance. Custody bikes are, are something that you don't have that option to do. They'll just fly right over you. Um, but you can block a lot of other stuff, like maybe their dreadnoughts get stuck in their base or, you know, something like that, where they have, you can buy a turn by putting something up there as a roadblock. I don't know whether that's worthwhile or not, but that's the kind of thing where I look at it like, well, maybe that's an option you should think about. Yeah. So I would say. It's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to solve. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's... I I tried cracking that problem when the codex first came out because I that traditionally that's always been Thousand Suns' big problem is once there are certain armies that just go where they want and how do you deal with them? Um, and that's what how I came up with the Cult of Knowledge list back with the previous codex, where instead of doubling down on the ability to do psychic damage you just shot things off the table um, because it was just enough to push things off of objectives or right. uh, allow you to interact with those types of units but I, I actually I came up empty handed uh, when the Godex came out I, I still haven't come up with a good solution for that type of play and that's because we've gotten better in almost every area that matters we've got better rules we have better support we have so much extra layers of support between the cabal points the um what's he called the infernal master our characters now actually sort of perform 
their duties better than they used to. We're more durable. But the one thing that I, I think I've continued to harp on this is that we did not become more lethal in a reliable manner. And I, it's very awkward going into these the fast armies, especially the durable fast armies like the suits or the custodes, custodes bikes, is because we just you effectively only have one turn to deal with them before they're stomping in your face and killing you. Yeah, um, and you know, there's only so many bullets and only so many wounds, and you know, our army. The the feel I get is that the Thousand Suns want to play out a long game with like a long game of chess where you're moving stuff around and you know all right i have a unit of like two rubrics that i'm teleporting over here because your five guardsmen can't kill them kind of thing um you know they want to play that matchup where it's a slow grind throughout the rest of the game um where those get where into armies where it's just like no we're gonna rock and roll turn one turn two we're gonna decide the game right now like Thousand Sons are just not ready to, to, to handle that. Um, and what's funny is you have options like cultists and Zangors, which are kind of like the first go-to place where you need to have some chaff. You need to have some kind of unit that you can put out there that they don't want to shoot, but they have to, or they don't want to fight, they have to. Um, I think four up invuln cultists worked phenomenal for me this past weekend. I had I had a bunch of them that my custodies opponent with the bikes he had to chew through and he was just kind of laughing in that just kind of like yeah i don't want to be killing four up he, he was laughing because i got the spell off and he didn't deny it and he was like yeah i don't want to be killing four up in von cultus but man i feel like i'm gonna have to kill four up in von cultus here and this is gonna suck and sure enough like he's got lots of hurricane bolters and he's gonna chew through them but he didn't have enough to get through all of them. And I'm going to say, I'm going to make half my saves and it, it does give you something in those matchups. But again, how do you get them across the board? Right? Like, okay, cool. Yeah. I can warp time them so I can get what 12 inches plus D six. Right. So great. That's, that's one turn. They can get up a little ways. The difference is the hyper aggressive armies are like, yeah, my base move is 14. I can advance, you know, an auto an auto six advance. So I go, what, 20 inches and I can shoot and I can charge. Like they just laugh at that kind of stuff. And uh, the, <laughs> they just take the board way quicker than Thousand Suns can react to it. Yeah. So, I mean, looking at it, the only unit I can think that could potentially take the place of Zengors or cultists as they once existed would be Chaos Bond. Yeah. Um, because they're still able to be well, actually what unit type are they? Are they beasts? They're or... beasts. They can go through walls. They can hide. But they have yeah, but you can't... I mean, they have four wounds yeah. apiece. It's T5. There's just not, you can't teleport them, right? Yeah, you can't teleport them. You can warp time them. Yeah. So, yeah. Chaos Bomb with the Temporal Flux. The, the Which is, what, two maybe. inches better. Over over two... Uh, if you move them a second time, it's t- it 
nets out two inches more than whatever you would have gotten with cultists. Yeah. Which is not that great. And there is no way to advance and charge them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that, that, that is the conundrum. <laughs> and unfortunately, we here at the Tizenkin podcast have not solved it yet. Yep. We have not, yes. we have not cracked it. We're still working on it, guys. Don't That's worry. Right. Still yep. working on it. And the and the real the real problem is going second, right? Into that into hyper aggressive lists is really the problem. Because uh, going yeah. first, you have things you can do. You could dark matter crystal 30 cultists right up in their face and go ahead, cross the picket line, right? You, good luck. Um, you, you know, if if you're running duplicity, you can teleport enough stuff, turn one. You have dark matter crystal, you have um, risen rubricade, you have uh, the duplicity jump, you then have temporal surge on top of it. You have a lot of movement right there that you can take advantage of to take a lot of the board away. The other cults don't have that, but all, all, every single one of those does not work if you're not going first. It just, it doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah. Did uh, the demon prince with the plate wind up working out okay? Yeah, he was fantastic, actually. Um, it worked really good against the uh, the shield warden when he came over into um, onto my side of the board and he was trying to fight stuff. Um, and, you know, I was able to do some stuff like pulling... I had rubric marines and the demon prince into combat, and I was able to do some stuff where I pulled the rubric marines in such a way that he had to then swing into rubric marines mm-hmm. um, because he ended up out of engagement range of the demon prince. Um, and then on top of that, the, you know, having the number of attacks coming in and then, you know, netting a four up in and then, you know, doing twist of fate and smites and everything. I was able to handle them. Uh, at the end, the bikes were pretty much gone. Um, but what I was left with was the fact that I had, I had enough spells end up getting denied, um, which were much more important uh, or failing things that like failing charges or failing. um, What do you call it? Like the mutilith, I think failed charges in almost every game that I was in for some reason, Mm -hmm. Uh, just, and they were not like far out. They were not talking like, Hey, I'm failing nine inch charges. I'm failing like five and six inch charges here that are like, yeah, I should make this. And nope, (laughs) I'm not going to make it today. And uh, stuff like that, where it would have made a big difference to get it into combat. And he just sat there for probably a turn or two, just not in combat. Um, But the demon prince, yeah, he did really good where, where he really shined was stuff that was tough that had multiple wounds or maybe minus damage or whatever. And I could put him into it and he's still going to do two damage. Um, strength eight, you could make it strength 10. Uh, you give him another attack. So it's like, what, six attacks. I mean, he, he could do a lot of work. Um, and actually at the, uh, the end of the game against death guard, he and the, um, uh, the aspiring sorcerer were able to get in and, and basically the two of them jumped to the backfield, um, and were, uh, able to basically go kill both plate burst crawlers by themselves. So, mm-hmm. I will say that I had a lot of fun. I took the Thrittergeier and uh, Seersbane on the Exalted Sorcerer, 
who also had um, the Warlord trait for Aether Stripe. So I was, a, I was able to have a lot of fun where he could basically advance and charge, fall back and charge, fall back and cast psychic powers, um, fall, back, fall back, cast psychic powers, and then charge, uh, which, which he did. Um, and that actually, at the end, I wouldn't have been able to kill both Plague Burst Crawlers if he did not have that. Um, he, he, that was probably the only game where he actually got to really use his... Um, his benefits. Um, I will say that one of the big things I did do with him quite a bit was uh, slingshot him uh, for psychic ritual. So you could move him out, mm. cast psychic ritual. Um, you could spend a CP and cast a power to warp time and you know warp time and back, uh, or you uh, could, um, in some cases, just you know cast warp time if I was within six. Uh, but I could use another. Um, uh, I could, I think it was like three or four cabal points to extend it to 12 inches. So my little infernal master could sit back there and say, Hey, come back. And then he would, you know, yeet himself back and he gets to move 15 with Aether stride in his disc. So that's a, yeah. that's a really good range for that. Um, and you can get well within six of the middle. Um, but without a doubt, I used the deny the, the make the psychic ritual unable to be countered uh, uh, ritual quite a lot uh, just because when opponents saw that, Hey, that's, that's points. They immediately went to like, I'm spending command points to deny that. And I'm like, I'm spending cabal points to say no. Uh, so, so that was, uh, that pretty much blocked me from being able to make other stuff unable to be denied. Uh, maybe more sure. important stuff like death hex and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, is it really more important to get in your, secondaries no no i mean that's it's one of the most important things and i think i probably would have done even worse if i hadn't done that so yeah um so chapter proof is coming i guess gloom gloom behind us yeah i know i know let's 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 move on uh chapter proof's coming um i'm gonna throw out some uh some hot takes here because i think there's a few things coming in it based on what i've heard um, first of all, it sounds like there is something coming where they're going to make stuff like Dreadnoughts and Dreadnights and so on um, capped at a rule of three based on keyword, mm. which will be pretty big. Um, I think that would hit Grey Knights pretty, pretty strong, uh, even with three. I mean, even if you took, say, three Nemesis Dreadnights uh, or sorry, Neme uh, Grandmaster Nemesis Dreadnights. If, if you can, uh, that would still be pretty good. Yeah, I still think that they should have been capped at one Grandmaster Dread Knight per list. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's kind of so like Grandmaster. I mean, that's kind of like their their Demon Prince, right? It's like, like if you, if well, you think no, about I mean, it. So Grandmasters are the equivalent of a, a Company Master in right. uh, a Captain in Chapter Master Space. almost. Yeah. Well, no, Chapter Master would be called Rodrigo. He's the supreme game master. Whatever. Um, I, I don't know about Dreadnoughts. It's like, why, why are we bringing like, so many grandmasters to, to an army? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Captain? <Anyways>. Captain? <laughs> Captain? Captain? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, capping their number, even if it is a, a little heavy-handed, just yeah. hard capping like that, um, 
will actually help with list diversity somewhat. I, I do think it's going to apply to more than just Grey Knights, though. I, I oh, think yeah. Dreadnoughts, it's going to be the same thing. And someone actually pointed out it's ridiculous what Space Marines can do with their venerable Dreadnoughts, where they can basically take a Hellbrute and for, what, 30 points, make it hit on twos, um, yep. and, like, what? Pain, make it a Psyker or whatever it is. I, I, I forget what else. Not make it a Psyker, but they can... They can do a lot of good stuff with yeah, it, right? They can, their Dreadnoughts are very good. Uh, I've I played against some recently. It's like, wait, your Dreadnoughts do what now? <laughs> that's, okay. that's much better than ours. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you say so. Uh, yeah. I don't play Marines. <laughs> so there's, a, there's another hot, hot uh, rumor that I think is coming is the fact that everything is going to be um, in the competitive realm uh, your your mission, your match play stuff, your or your rules for match play uh, are going to require you to have a single subfaction. So, on I've the heard one this, hand, I've heard this from multiple people. So I'm bringing this yeah. up as a you know from different directions, from different people, from different sources. I'm hearing it. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's something that might not be the way it's worded. They might word it, the rule a different way and certain armies might have ways to do different things around it, but it sounds like that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be honest. I like that as a sort of a general rule. I think there are some armies that are not going to be in a good spot um, as a result. Uh, For instance, uh, armies that tended to do things like bring in guard to capture objectives Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry, I'm doing a little baking. (laughs) Uh, But I think that if handled correctly, it could actually be a good thing. Um, yeah. Most already armies are already heavily incentivizing bringing just a single detachment. Right. Um, and so I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I think we only had maybe one, maybe two lists that had multiple cults for Thousand Sons. Uh, even Thousand Sons, you're not really... You're not hurt all that bad if you have to dr- bring just one cult. I don't think anybody's going to look at that and go, oh, wow, all my options are gone. It's like, no, most people are do- taking just duplicity or just one of the cults that's in there. So, um, all right. So we've got that rumor. Not sure when it's going, whether it's true or not. Um, I do think there's probably going to be a nerf. This is my own personal thought. I think there's probably going to be a nerf to Volkite guns, um, especially um, what do you call them? Uh, the, the, the contemptors. So I definitely think the contemptors are probably going to have uh, uh, a little bit of a, a nerf there with their Volkites and we won't be seeing them in big numbers here in chapter proved. I think they'll probably go up what five, 10 points per gun and that's going to make it a little bit more expensive to be able to bring those options. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has expected for a while now that the Volkites on the Contemptors was a temporary thing. 
sort of yeah. an oversight even. And and I don't think it's because I don't think the nerf is coming because Volkites are so good. They're good. It's just they overshadow all the other options that are oh. on there. They they make it just like math math wise, they, they're just so much better for their for what they cost than like a heavy bolt the twin heavy bolter or like yeah. uh, you know the stuff that you're paying more points for so either make the other stuff that performs relatively the same bring them down to the same cost or increase the cost of the volkite and i think that's what they're probably going to do yeah i don't think they intended that everything like the cont- here's the other thing you don't see other stuff that has the volkites getting spammed the same way like you have land raiders that have it, drills have it. Um, you don't see those things getting spammed with it. So it's really just the fact that it's on a a, a unit that's cheap enough that can shoot um, that in and of itself is okay. Like contemptors are fine, but the Volkites on top of it are just uh, a little too cheap on that platform, which is a kudos to GW for, for their new model of like what the – what the point cost for weapons are on a bespoke basis, like on that model versus just across the board. This is what they cost. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like to see Volkites go down. Sorry, Volkites go up in points and everything else on that chassis to go down um, so that you actually sure see other loadouts. Um, I don't think that anybody would be particularly surprised about that. Um, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the adjustment to flyers. I'll be honest. What the rule of two? Yeah. That. Doesn't I, help certain armies. Is my my main problem. I'm glad um, they did it because I I was worried about Eldar. That was going to be the big problem. Yeah. I think with them getting capped to two flyers, that's, uh, I think it's a fair, it's a fair thing to do without making it so that those flyers themselves have to be point costed. So out of the realm of use usefulness that you just, you never take them. You know what I I mean? mean? Like they're still, you can still take them. You just can't, your whole army can't be loaded up with flyers. So I, I, I'm going to be frank. I'd much rather that they pointed them to the point of almost unusability than what they did here. Um, the main reason being is that, yeah, there are some bad actors in the flyer community. Eldar flyers have traditionally been spammed to hell and back. Um, some of the Forgeworld flyers from for Space Marines get spammed but for the space marines they only ever brought two flyers anyways or like back in the day uh eldar yeah they'd bring usually it was five but yeah what about orcs and imperial guard Orc flyers appointed much like Zengor Enlightened under mm-hmm. the idea that you're going to bring a lot of them because they're very cheap mm-hmm. and they're not very durable. Uh, and then a poor guard, 
they have armies that their entire thing is like, yeah, we jump out of Valkyries into like entrenched positions. I don't think anyone has argued ever that a Valkyrie is overpowered. Vendetta's one, but Valkyrie yeah. is just like, okay, it's a flying box with the last cannon. And maybe what they do in the codex is they, they put the right rules in there for them to have some exceptions to it. And that would be nice. And maybe with orcs, they get something like that as well. It'd be pretty easy yeah. to do. I mean, if they, but they have to, they have to do something to stop. Like it was going to be a big problem if the the Eldar flyer list basically made a return, and that was going to be a big problem. And it could have. I mean, even then, really, like, is yeah. that what we're worried about? Oh yeah. The problem. I mean, look at it, look at how good the it has to do with the guns and the profiles all getting upgrades, things like bright lances, um, you know, with with all those things getting upgraded across the board, uh, y- your your efficiency is going up with them, which means your points, you know, the the lower the points stay on these things, the better they get. And I could see it in a list where it's just like, okay, well, they made my troops really good. So all I need is just a bunch of cheap troops and a bunch of flyers as, you know, my heavy support choice. And that's, that's my army. Um, and literally like I have five flyers that you can basically do nothing about because they just, they fly away from you and they fly in and they assassinate your characters and things like that. Like, I think if they made it so flyers can't target characters, even if they're the nearest unit, um, that would be a benefit, but you still have the problem with the fact that you can move block with flyers. Um, yeah. so, so for me, so for me, the the general issue is not that hey, it's numbers. This is more of a this is more of just a stopgap patch to just say okay, let's just make it so that this stuff can't be oppressive when we get it wrong because there's only two of them, uh, and then we'll work on fixing this later. I I think the rules for flyers need to be completely reworked because there is. There is no reason you can tell me that an aircraft flying above everything should be able to block my troops from landing and charging your unit just because your base happens to be in the way and I can't end within one of your base. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely agree that flyer bases shouldn't be considered for deep striking purposes or movement. Uh up. Well, I can tell you what should be considered, Mike. Mm. Uh, I think we should consider that Magnus did nothing wrong. Hey, no. No, sir. Yeah, yeah. You skipped a thing. No, no, no. I didn't skip anything. Magnus did nothing wrong. What about all your swanky swag? Oh, we don't I have forgot. to talk about that. No, Magnus did nothing wrong. All right, fine. <laughs> Magnus did nothing wrong. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>